everybody hello it is nice to be back it is nice to be back in all of your ears really wonderful <laughs> to be here um winter has come to minnesota it is gorgeous rabbi marcus and i just drive through our neighborhood we live here in in saint paul right near chapel of Aaron, and we just remark i think we've remarked every day since it started snowing how gorgeous our neighborhood looks in the snow my God, the, the, the snow on the trees. And in New York, the snow gets like dirty brown after like three days. After like three like, hours. After three hours, <laughs> yeah, like melting and then all the salt and everything like that. And here it just like stays white for all, like maybe a little too long. <laughs> <laughs> like till like April. It was like freezing cold till like the end of April, basically. We're in for a long winter, but right now in the first days of winter, it looks like a snow globe. It's beautiful. We're in bliss right now. It's amazing. This is, this is the good part of the winter, you know, the uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas part of, of winter. And then after that is like. It's true. There's a lot of good cheer in the air already. Yes, exactly. But lots of feeling the good cheer. And especially right now because I'm a huge soccer fan and the World Cup is coming up very soon. Very excited. The first game is on Sunday morning and it's really exciting as a, as a huge soccer fan. I'm. I asked Rabbi Rachel if it was okay if I would put an email away message saying, like, your emails might not be returned as soon as possible because the rabbi's busy watching soccer on television. And she said, that might not be a, I, a fantastic idea. I vetoed that that particular idea. That's why we're partners as rabbis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, it's good to be back with you. It's, it's absolutely wonderful to be here. What is our topic today? Well, our topic today is Thanksgiving. More specifically, our topic is gratitude. I was going to say, Thanksgiving with a capital T or a lowercase t? Both a little bit. We're, the reason why we're doing this podcast, as you may be able to guess, is because Thanksgiving is coming up. We're actually headed on Sunday in just a few days to Chicago to celebrate Thanksgiving holiday. The Six Flags theme? No, that wasn't originally the Six Flags theme. That was just a, that's a song of celebration. Oh. It's a song of Thanksgiving, okay? I'm not familiar with that particular prayer of Thanksgiving, but thanks for teaching me something. Some Rabbi. of us don't know musical <laughs> references just by commercials alone. Rabbi Rachel. Anyway, Thanksgiving is coming up. I'm really thankful for your musical knowledge. And uh, this Rabbi Marcus uh, makes fun of me a little bit because this is one of my absolute favorite topics to talk about is gratitude and the power of gratitude. I feel like you can end all of your tweets or Instagram posts with hashtag gratitude. Exactly. But for real. I mean, it's it's funny because the, the reason she uses it so much, and look, I use it a lot too, is because of how important um, the topic of gratitude is uh, within Judaism. And I think, look, we feel this so much on our own celebration of Thanksgiving. Um, and maybe that's one of the reasons we love it so much is because we really, the themes of the day really accord so much with 
with our deep beliefs. Um, yeah, for, for those of you who listened to our Halloween episode, we talked a lot about how the themes of Halloween don't seem to be quite in line with our values as, as Jews and as rabbis. Um, and Thanksgiving, in many ways, feels like the exact opposite. Like, wow, this feels like a Jewish holiday. It's got good food and family and Thanksgiving and gratitude. It feels very Jewish. Um, we will give one disclaimer that we will not be talking about kind of the history of um, of what Thanksgiving is celebrating. We won't be talking about the Native Americans and the Pilgrims and the Mayflower and and the complicated uh, narratives of what we were taught as children and and what we've come to learn as adults and um, how that plays out. Um, it's a very important conversation, one that um, I think is particular relevance in Minnesota, which is very connected to its Dakota. Um, heritage, um, but not the conversation we will be having today. We were going to be talking more globally about the the theme and value of gratitude. What say you we start with some history? I would love to start with some history. Can you teach us a little bit of history, Rabbi Marcus? I always like to start with, you know, Judaism is a religion of history, so we might as well start out with history. And uh, in 1863 is where I would like to start with an unbelievable, probably one might say, one of the best presidents of all time in the United States, President Abraham Lincoln. You guessed it. Said Abraham, you knew the rest. Abraham Lincoln. You do tend to like people named Abraham. I do. Abraham, just, <laughs> Abraham in the Torah, Abraham Lincoln. I'm just an Abraham fan. Um, but regardless, he was a pretty good guy, as we all know. And he established officially at least, the holiday of Thanksgiving. There's, of course, the, the the Mayflower meal was before that and all these things. But the official holiday was proclaimed by Abraham Lincoln um, after the Battle of Gettysburg, actually, which was deep into the Civil War. Um, and it was a brilliant victory um, and only achieved really by casualties on, on all sides, heavy casualties on all sides. And it was a very dark period in this country. The Civil War was a horrible, hard time in this country's history, of course. Um, a time of division, a time of hardship, a time where this country was was really torn apart, trying to figure itself out and what its soul would be. And I love that in the middle of this, um, Abraham Lincoln basically said, this is the exact time when we have to have gratitude. He could have easily said, well, let, like, let's wait until we actually win the war, right? Like, let's, let's wait till we're, we're done, the North is done with this and we've won, right? Which wasn't, certainly wasn't a, a done deal. Um, but instead, he proclaimed it right in the middle of the war because uh, President Lincoln really felt we have to share those moments of gratitude and we have to have those moments of gratitude as a country together, which is so essential to be able to be unified within within gratitude at that moment. Um, which I, didn't, is, yeah. I didn't know the history of, of Thanksgiving. That's really fascinating. That's what I'm telling you right now. Yeah, and I mean, it, there's something really powerful in that story about the connective power of gratitude. That gratitude is not just something we feel as individuals, but it's really something that connects us to our families, to our communities, to our people. It's, it's very powerful. Yeah, it, 100%, really powerful. And for me, again, I, I think connecting to a lot of the themes we're going to talk about today is like gratitude should not be reserved for times when everything is peachy, when everything is good, but specifically in those times when maybe one thing turned out well, even though there's a lot of other things that have not turned out well and are not going well um, and are very scary, that's like the exact time when you need to be thankful. You know, maybe maybe you might argue that Lincoln, uh, why should he be thinking about being thankful right now? He has to be busy fighting the war. He's a fighter right now, right? Why should he be busy being thankful? 
thankful at this time? Why get soft at that time, right? Um, but that's actually the exact time um, when you need that level of gratitude. Mm, I love that. You might think that, you know, gratitude is a an orientation of privilege, right? You have to have privilege in order to have the luxury of gratitude. And that's that story is teaching us quite the opposite, that even when you're in the midst of a horribly uh, tragic war of brother against brother and and casualties on all ends that, um, that those are the moments where gratitude is the most important. Wonderful. hundred um, percent. So, I mean, believe it or not, we don't just talk about Lincoln at our Thanksgiving <laughs> tables, although much as I would have loved that. Um, if you and your dad were having Thanksgiving alone, you would yes. just be talking about Lincoln. And I think this is the second time this podcast, I must mention that I was president of my middle school social studies club. So as a history buff, your proudest accomplishment. My proudest accomplishment. Um, hey, I'm just trying to have gratitude, okay? Thank you very much. Um, let's talk a little bit about our own family traditions, though. Uh, what was it? What was Thanksgiving like in your family? What is Thanksgiving like in your family? Explain to me the Braun Thanksgiving. Oh, the Braun Thanksgiving is the best. My family is a family that we are very, very, talk about gratitude. We are very blessed and lucky because we are a family that loves being together. We do not do a lot. They <laughs> love being together. We do. We're not we're not very active. We don't we don't tend to do a whole lot. We just like being together and sitting there all day long. <laughs> we do a lot of sitting, we do a lot of eating. Um uh, and and it's been that way my whole life and now as we are uh the my generation are now adults with children, we our, we all come home to my parents' house for Thanksgiving and we bring our kids. So there's, um, I, I, we bring our spouses. There's way too many people in my parents' house. There's not enough beds for everyone. <laughs> and we're all on top of each other. And there's six little kids running around and there's chaos and noise. Um, but we love it. We love it so much. My mom is the most incredible cook and baker. She goes all out. Um, she, I think makes four different kinds of pie because each of my siblings, we all, uh, each of us have a different favorite pie. So instead of choosing one, she makes all of them and it's just, it's just the best when we always, I mean, even as a kid, we, um, we always said Thanksgiving, you know, this is a, a funny thing for a rabbi to say, but we would say like Thanksgiving is the best of the Jewish holidays of the Jewish holidays without the like obligations of a Jewish holiday. You don't have to go to synagogue. There's no like rituals. You just get to come together and be together as a family and eat really good food um, and and enjoy being together. Wonderful, wonderful, exactly. I mean, it's uh I've experienced the Braun Thanksgiving. It is quite wonderful, and it's uh, it's really beautiful. So my Thanksgiving at the Rubenstein household, uh, sure, we had the meal too, and it was wonderful and great. Uh, we didn't watch football in our household. We watched uh, ice skating competitions and the puppy. And, the, yes, the dog show. I had the, the, I had no. Dog, I, I can't believe you didn't know about the dog show. I had no show. idea there was, there was a dog, dog show on at Thanksgiving until I joined your family and came to Thanksgiving with you. And all of a sudden, instead of football, we're watching puppies, which I'm not complaining. You prefer the puppies to the, the, the puppies are cute. I like the puppies. <laughs> yes. So we did. We did that. Um, but really, the um, like the, the amazing thing about our Thanksgiving is we were in New York and we would wake up at like six in the morning. We schlep out of our houses and like since I was like a little kid we'd eat at a diner in Queens on the way driving into New York City and we would like park our car and we'd walk with these like 
gigantic, like these metal stands, stepping stools that we'd have to carry. I remember like when I was like 10 years old, like lugging these metal stepping stools, the freezing cold through the streets of Manhattan. Um, Cause of course you couldn't park near it for the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade. And it was uh, incredible. And we would uh, stand there for three hours, I think. Um, we barely could see. I mean, I would just have to like stand up there and like look at the floats and everything. But it was it was one of these like torturous family traditions that was actually really wonderful at the same time. Uh, did you did you end up going to Thanksgiving with us one year? No, I joined the Rubenstein family and put a quick end to that lovely family. Rachel's tradition. not someone who stands outside for three hours. Waking up at not... six a.m., going into New York City, standing in big crowds in the cold—that's not my ideal. We, I, when I joined your family, we started doing Thanksgiving at your parents' house in uh, the Catskills, and that was really lovely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, yeah, that 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 was also fun as well. But anyway, we have. We love Thanksgiving. Both Rabbi Rachel and I love, love, love Thanksgiving. So um, we also, so so let's get into like actual gratitude. Um, let's get let's get into gratitude juicing. This is not a podcast that's really just about Thanksgiving. I, I really want to talk about gratitude itself. Like, where does gratitude come from in Judaism? What are the sources of gratitude? Where are we getting this? Why is it such a big part of Judaism? And where does it come from? the source of gratitude. I don't know if this is the source of gratitude in Judaism, but certainly proof text of how, of why gratitude is so important in Judaism um, comes a lot from our prayers. I mean, the uh, we, we teach this to our, our Hebrew school kids a lot, that the very first thing that a Jew is supposed to say when they wake up in the morning is, modet or moda ani, I am grateful or I acknowledge and just to, just to pause for a second, the fact that the word in Hebrew for gratitude and acknowledgement is the same word is something we can definitely delve into. And I think there's something really powerful about what is gratitude. It's being aware and noticing and acknowledging the things that are around you. Um, but the fact that that's the very first thing we're supposed to start each and every day with gratitude toward God for what? for allowing us to wake up in the morning, for restoring our souls. There's an idea that each night our souls are are taken out of our bodies and, and returned back to us in the morning. And just that, I mean, you can't get more basic gratitude than that. I am just grateful for the ability to open my eyes and wake up in the morning. Um, and that's, I mean, that it's a, a powerful, a powerful statement that Judaism, that Judaism offers us. Um, and above and beyond that, I mean, throughout our day, between the prayers that we say and the blessings that we say in Judaism, the you could argue that the entire purpose of Judaism is to engender gratitude in our lives. There's an idea that the rabbis teach that we are supposed to make 100 blessings every day. So that means if you're making blessings when you wake up and you blessings when you eat and blessings when you go to the bathroom and blessings when you see a rainbow and blessings when you travel and if you're making all of these blessings throughout your day, and that's, I mean, think about it, hundred, a hundred blessings a day, four blessings an hour. That's, you know, we're really, that's if you're not sleeping, right? There's, that's a lot, that's spending, you know, that's every 10 minutes taking a look around and saying, wow, I'm, I have a lot of gratitude right now. So set your watches for the 10 minute alarm, <laughs> patented Rabbi Rachel Rubenstein. How, how would that change your life? I'm if sure you had the Temple of Aaron gratitude alarm. That's marketable right there. Like, we're you know, we're going to have an ad Temple of Aaron gratitude app. That it could be like a buses. TOA Tamagotchi or something like that. 
But really, I mean, how would that change your life? If every, if every few minutes you made a blessing, you were able to say there's something in my life right now that I'm really grateful for. I mean, that's, that's really powerful. Yeah. I mean, it, what's going to be important, like for, for me at least is, is it's not, it's not even just for us. Like it's not even just uh, self-therapy to uh, engender gratitude and be thankful. It also allows you to be a certain person in the world, to be a, a person that acts with generosity in that regard. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, another source, uh, a fun source within Judaism is, is there's a tradition in Judaism that uh, there used to be uh, sacrifices that were offered in the, in the central temple in Jerusalem, uh, which was uh, destroyed in 70 CE, um, but uh, that eventually uh, these sacrifices will come back again, but that the only sacrifice in the future that we will be doing used to do all kinds of sin offerings and holiday offerings and all, I mean, read the book of Leviticus. But the one uh, sacrifice or offering that will stay will be the Thanksgiving offering, which is um, the, the one offering we'll be offering uh, in the future. And also, or just the Thanksgiving prayer. All our prayers will not be prayers of supplication or tshuva or repentance, uh, but all prayers of Thanksgiving, because that's truly what will last. Last is our is our feelings and our expressions of gratitude about the world around us. Right, even when the world is perfect, when the Messiah comes and there's no more, we don't we don't have to offer guilt offerings anymore because we won't be making sins because the world will be perfect. The Messiah is here; everything is perfect. But the thing that lasts is our gratitude. Yeah, and uh, again, I, this is always a fun discussion. Like, when does thank you appear first in the Torah? <laughs> Yes, you got it. It's Leah. Leah, one of our matriarchs, uh, her fourth child. I will, I will give someone a big prize if they guessed Leah. <laughs> that, would be, that would be impressive. We should have like a call in. You can call in, you know, for next time, for next time. And we should end, we should end our episodes with a quiz question. <laughs> quiz question. Quiz question of the day. If you want a quiz question, please email livingjewishlypodcast at gmail.com. If you're just hungering for quiz questions, we will provide them for you. Anyway, Leah was the first one to have gratitude in the Torah? She was the first one to have gratitude in the Torah, at least to express it. I think gratitude is a kind of a normative part of who we are as human beings. But yes, Leah, if we know Leah and Rachel were two wives of Jacob and uh you know, both in the beginning have trouble having children. Uh, Leah's sort of the uh, second choice wife, uh, for, for not for better words, unfortunately. Uh, Jacob wanted to marry uh, uh, Rachel famously, but instead, uh, through Levon's tricks, married Leah. Uh, Leah had three children first, and, and God sort of gave her the gift of having children to sort of compensate her for, you know, being the second choice sister. Uh, per se. Um, and she has three children, um, uh, Ruvain, Shimon, and, and Levi. Uh, those are her first three children. And then her fourth child is named Yehuda. And, and with all the other three children's, children's, children, um, she seems to like, she seems to like acknowledge that God sees her and gave her something, but she keeps expressing to God, please give me another, right? Like, this is good, but please, can I have more, right? Like, and then finally she gets to Yehuda. And she says, I'm naming my child Yehuda because I want to thank God for giving me this child because God has given me more than I could have ever asked for. And that's the first time that we actually see like Leah actually have a change of like, okay, I'm not going to keep asking. I'm not going to keep seeing what I don't have. Instead, I'm going to be looking at what I do have and the blessings I have in my life. And for that reason, she calls 
uh, her fourth son, Yehuda, or Judah, as we say in English, which is the Hebrew, lahodot is the Hebrew verb to thank or to acknowledge. If we if we break down the Hebrew, you might know toda, the word thank you, or I mentioned earlier, mode, mode ani. All of those have the same root, the same root of gratitude. And of course, we are um, descended from the southern kingdom of Judah, right? And uh, but and so we were then called Jews because we descend from Judah. But but a happy coincidence is that we are named therefore after this son Yehuda. And so literally, our names as Jews are the thankful ones. Like you can actually literally translate Jews as the thankful ones. We are the thankful ones, and and that really shows like how much part and parcel Judaism is to our religion and our faith. And it's, again, Leah's a perfect example. Her life wasn't perfect. Certainly, her life wasn't perfect. But she literally learned to say, okay, I'm going to thank God for my gifts and not for the things that I'm missing. And, and, and I'm going to reorient my conscious mind to focus on the things that I have rather than the things I don't have. So we've mentioned a few times that the word in Hebrew for gratitude, lehodot, means to say thank you, means to have gratitude, but it also means to acknowledge. And I, I want to kind of look at that a little bit. What, what do you think that means? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a really important point. The word thank you is not really a word in Hebrew. Um, it, it really comes out of the word to acknowledge or to admit that something is there. And that the process of having gratitude in Hebrew etymologically is to really see what actually is and 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 not what we'd like there to be or what could be, but to actually acknowledge what is in front of us, right? That's why we start our day with modani, right? What we're really doing is moda, the first word that we say every day as a Jew we're supposed to say is thank you, moda, but really it's I acknowledge, moda ani, I acknowledge that ani lefanecha melechayam. I acknowledge that I'm standing before my maker, before the king, before God. Like my presence here is not alone. Right? And that's not saying thank you, thank you, God that I'm standing in your presence. It's saying, I acknowledge that I'm standing. Why? Because when I look around the world, you might not think that. You might think, oh, where's my coffee, right? Like, <laughs> where's my coffee? Oh my God, I have so much to do today. I can't believe I'm up again. Oh, I can't believe the baby's up again, right? All those thoughts enter our head. And, and, and mode ani is a process of reorientation, of acknowledging, wait a second, what really is important here is that I'm standing in front of God, right? That is actually what's important. So we see right from the beginning that even etymologically and the way we use the word is a reorientation um, towards what truly exists or what we should be focusing on. I also want to say, like, it's also an, an acknowledgement of our own lives and the gift of living in itself. Because as Jews, I mean, I, I originally heard this from, from, from an unbelievable uh, rabbi, Rabbi Shai Held, if you haven't heard his teachings um, you should um, you should you should definitely read his books, The Heart of Torah. He's coming out with a book on love soon. Unbelievable. Read it, read or listen to anything that he's read, read or written or anything like spoken, whatever. Um, but one of his central concepts that I've really taken into my own Judaism is this idea of like the fact that like God gives us life. We didn't do anything. We didn't ask for it. We didn't work for it. There was no reason we merited being born in the world and all the great gifts. I know not everyone's. Um, merit, merits the gift of to be able to see and to have uh, working legs and everything like this. But at least the things that we do have, that a lot of us do have, the ability to walk, the ability to see, the ability to feel, the ability to think, all these things, like we didn't do anything to deserve that, yet God gives us this. So immediately when we enter the world, we don't enter the world with like original sin, but we do enter the world with indebtedness. 
right? We've been given this gift that we've done nothing to, 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 to merit. So a lot of Judaism is answering the question, what do we owe God back, right? How do we repay God? How do we thank God for the gift of life that God constantly gives us? Um, and that's uncomfortable because no one likes to be in debt. Like I remember, I, I always tell a story, like we took out a, a mortgage on our house and, 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 and Rabbi Rachel and I were, were never people who were uh, in debt uh, per se. We were always very physically, physically responsible. Um, but the first email we got when we bought our house from our, our, our mortgage agents was, welcome to being in debt. Here are the ways to get out of it. I'm like, oh my God, I'm in debt? Are you serious? I'm like, which is true, I am in debt. Um, but regardless, like being in debt doesn't make us feel good, but it, it helps us to understand that we have a responsibility for thankfulness. We have a responsibility for acknowledging that we've been given the gift of life. Like what a, what a, I mean, let's just pause for a moment. What a radically countercultural idea that is, right? I mean, that is so, it goes against everything thing that our society teaches us that, you know, we should just do whatever makes us happy and our only responsibility is to ourselves. And we've been watching a lot of uh, The Bachelor and on The Bachelor, you know, that's like, oh, this is my time to be selfish. And this is my time to just do whatever makes me happy. Just and, follow your heart. Right. Follow your heart and all of these things that society teaches us, maybe more so on a show like The Bachelor. But I think it has permeated our society writ large. Um, and, and this is such a radically, yeah. And this is such a radically countercultural idea that it's not about just do whatever brings me fleeting happiness. It's we live our lives indebted to something greater than ourselves. And we have real responsibility in the world. That's really powerful. Yeah. I think, you know, a hundred percent, we have real responsibility in the world and, and, and we have to look at it. And, and part of what we exist as Jews to do to be shutafim or to be partners with God in the creation of the world that God is constantly creating around us and that we have responsibility to take care of the world. And, and we all know, I mean, it's very easy to see the world is not perfect, right? The world needs a lot of work um, and, and we are certainly partners with God in fixing the world. And during the six days of the week, we are obligated to work on the world, to do mitzvot, to do acts of loving kindness, to work on doing tikkun olam, or, of, of, of rectifying or repairing the world around us. That is what we do. Right? That is what we do is to create peace, to create love, to create justice within the world and to fight to move that forward. So a lot of what we do during the six days of the week really are like what is we're, we're just looking at and saying what's wrong with the world and how can I fix it? Right? Like that's what we're doing. We're working real hard to fix that thing. Right? We're not just saying, oh, the world is perfect the way it is, but really working hard to fix it. Yet we are also commanded on the seventh day to rest, to have a Shabbat to take a step back and have gratitude for what we have. And it's not like, like Shabbat only comes like once in a while. Shabbat is every seventh day. I don't care if everything is broken in the world, you still have to take Shabbat, right? It's like you don't get Shabbat because you've been really good this week or like because things are great, but you get Shabbat no matter what. Why? I think the reason is, is because we can't fix the world if we don't take time to have gratitude. Gratitude actually gives us the fuel to actually do good in the world, to actually gives us the strength to actually go out and actually make a better world around us. Um, this is so, so important. I mean, if you, for those who are very involved with social justice projects, I mean, if you just keep fighting all the time and you keep looking all, all the time at what's wrong and just keep fighting over and over, you just become a fighter. And then what ends up happening is we end up becoming bitter and angry at the world. And then you can't help anyone if you're angry and bitter at the world and you're just fighting. 
So instead, you have to take a day. You have to take time to inculcate gratitude to say, you know what, just the way the world is right now, there's something really beautiful about this. And just for this one day or this one period, I'm going to ignore what's wrong and focus on what's good and focus on what needs to be celebrated. And then I'll go back after Habdallah and I'll go back and then say what needs to be worked on. Right? But that fuel of having the moments, those moments of gratitude is actually what helps us. This is actually a major concept for Dr. Martin Luther King, a, a man who I, I really revere and honor as a teacher, um, spoke about this all the time. Um, he, he, he spoke about having a, a tough but tender heart to be a fighter, to be someone who is fighting for change, but to never um, lose the, the, the perspective that we have to love the people we're fighting for, right? We have to love uh, uh, people around us. We have to even love the people we're fighting against. And if we lose that, then we actually lose the power to make positive change in the world. And of course, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King had all the room to be angry and furious about the world, right? Of, of, of growing up in the world that he grew up in, uh, a, a world where black people were, and, and in some ways still are, disenfranchised in this world. Uh, but yet he was able to say, I still love, right? And that, that power, that ability for him to love in the world and to be thankful and to have that gratitude is what enabled him to make that lovely positive change that he made in this world, which I appreciate so much. And I think what's so powerful about that is the idea that we have the ability to change how we see the world. And we have the ability to control our orientations of the world. And there's an idea um, in Pirkei Avot that... Um, there's Ayin Hara and Ayin Hatov, right? There's a, we might call it the evil eye, Ayin Hara and, and Ayin Hatov and the good eye. And the evil eye, quote unquote, has kind of uh, permeated popular culture um, and has become kind of a, a superstition in a way, right? Like I need to, um, you know, spit to ward off the evil eye or something like that or throw salt over my shoulder to ward off the evil eye. Um, but I mean, in a lot of ways, it's, it's, are you looking through the world through small eyes or big eyes, right? Do you see the world with an orientation of scarcity or an orientation of abundance? Do you always see what is lacking? And so you need to kind of hoard and hold on to what you have really tightly and not allow anyone else in because, um, things can be taken away from you and there's not a lot to go around or do you, do you look at the world as a world of abundance, that there is blessing surrounding us and, um, and it's up to us to open our arms and, and share that blessing with others? And I mean, if, if someone like Martin Luther King Jr., who, as you said, certainly had reason to believe in scarcity, reason to believe that the world was not a fair place, that there was not blessing to go around, that, that the world was hard and unfair and unjust— um, if he was able to preach a, a Torah of abundance, I mean, how much more so can, can all of us try and try and cultivate that in our own lives? 100%, 100%. I mean, it's, it's everything. And I think this is what I was hinting at earlier on where, you know, we think of, of having gratitude because it makes our life more happy or it makes us have more happiness. But that's actually not really what, I mean, that's part of, 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 of gratitude but it's also because it enables us to actually be a person of service in the world, a person who actually does good in the world. That if we, we spend our whole time thinking about what's wrong with the world and, and with a cynical perspective, we lack the fuel, we lack the power to give, right? Um, and and, and that's a, it ends up being a closing off, destructive way to look at the world when we look at the world through a lens of cynicism. Um, and that... That from the beginning was what is Ayn Hatov versus Ayn Ara. Ayn Ara is a 
is is and it's so unfortunate. Ein Hara has become like this like uh, uh, superstition, almost the evil eye and everything like that. It's like taking the power out of what really is important, which is like, do we look at the world through a lens of gratitude, through abundance, or through a lens of scarcity and cynicism? Right. Uh, so really, really important. And, I, uh, and yeah. I mean, like the source text for Judaism for living for seeing the world through a lens of abundance. Or text. <laughs> the or text or the source text or the primary text, the primary proof text for this idea um, is one that's familiar to a lot of people, which is the the prayer, the song Dayenu that we sing at our Passover Seder. Die, Dayenu, die, Dayenu. Are you going to keep going? Or I'm glad you it? enjoyed my singing. That was wonderful. There was a lot of shoulder bouncing for people who uh, are watching. The Rubenstein dance, our, our family dance is just moving shoulders up and down. So, But really, I mean, if we look at Dayenu, so people may or may not be familiar with this, with this song, this prayer that we say at our Seder, but it goes through each, it breaks down um, how we got out of Egypt and got to the land of Israel and got Torah. And it breaks down each and every step. So if God had done some of the plagues, but not all of the plagues, Dayenu, it would have been enough. If God had taken us to as far as the Red Sea, but hadn't split the sea, Dayenu, it would have been enough. If he had split the sea, but he hadn't given us Torah, it would have been enough. And, you know, even as little kids, we would look at this and we would say, what do you mean it would have been enough? If he had gotten us to the sea, but then the Egyptian army came and killed us all, it would have been enough? Like, what, is, what does that even mean? Not quite. Right. Hashtag do better. It would not have been enough. But I don't think that's not, that's clearly, that's not the point of the song. The point of the song is not to literally say it would have been enough and, you know, just be happy with whatever you have. Don't fight for anything better. Don't fight for more. Just, you know, be sublime. And there are billionaires in the world and there are people that don't have enough to eat. But all you have to do is be happy with your portion, <laughs> right? Like, that's not what this is about. That is the opposite of Judaism. Yeah, that's not what this is about. But what it is saying is even when things are really, really hard, even when you get to the Red Sea and it hasn't yet split, like if you if you break down the blessings in your life and you break down and you actually say, wow, like every single moment of this, even getting us to the sea, even walking by on dry land, even getting the Torah, even getting to Israel, every single, it's not like, oh, we're just, we're grateful for the exodus from Egypt. Like, what does that mean, right? Like that's too big. It doesn't actually encompass if you break down and you look at every single step of every blessing that went into that, um, you really are kind of overcome with how many blessings there are. I mean, it's almost like saying we're grateful for our daughter. We're yeah. grateful for our daughter. I mean, of course, I mean, yes, we're grateful for our daughter, but it's like we are grateful for her first step and we're grateful for her first smile and we're grateful for her first cry and we're grateful for her first time she said mom and dad. And right, like if we break down everything, we're grateful for her stubbornness and we're grateful for her tantrums so and we're much. grateful, so but much. we are, we're grateful for the person she's Rabbi becoming. But if we're grateful for, you know, that if you break it down, then that's really abundance. Then you're, then the, th the hundred blessings a day is, it seems pretty doable if we're, if we really break it down in that way. I think way. that's what really gets back to like the difference between thank you and acknowledgement or, or in Hebrew, you'd even say hakarat hatov, right? Like recognizing the good, right? Recognition or acknowledgement is a change of our mental state. And if we want to do that, we have to really go into detail about each of the, the elements that we need to have gratitude. If you, don't, if you don't want to actually change the way you think about something and you just want to thank somebody, you thank them. Thank you. Right? But if, if real true gratitude in Judaism is about actually changing our mental state, it's about acknowledging a reality that's in front of us, which is extremely, extremely important. So again, really, I, I want to harp on this point uh, that 
I agree. Rabbi Rachel said this earlier. I do think one of the main points of Judaism and Jewish spiritual practice is to inculcate gratitude in the way we see the world. One, to bring us joy, of course, to make us happier people. But really, number two, to give us the fuel to make positive change in the world, to be good people, to be people who are givers, to be people who are lovers, to be people who can actually help other people and, and with our conscious minds think about other people, right? That's, that is the point of our mitzvot. That's the point of putting on tefillin and putting on a talis and saying blessings and saying thank you after I go to the bathroom, right? All these things that we deem to be small and sometimes even things that are seen as ritual and not about actually helping people are truly also about helping people. Because if we do those things and we inculcate gratitude in our lives and acknowledge God in our lives and acknowledge and change our mindset and the way we see the world to a lens of abundance from a lens of scarcity and cynicism, then we can actually be real partners with God in changing the world for the better. We actually have the feel to do that. And so that's one of the big ways that our ritual mitzvot interact with our, what we call Bein Adam Ro mitzvot, or the mitzvot we have in between ourselves and our fellow human beings in this world. Yeah, and I think, you know, there are, there are certain things in Judaism that um, kind of psychology or at least pop psychology, um, you know, validates, right? Sometimes you'll read something and you'll be like, just take a day to unplug and rest. And you're like, yes, that is called Shabbat. And we've been doing it for 2000 years. Or, Hashtag <laughs> acknowledgements. Right. Or like start a gratitude journal and write 10 things you're grateful for every day. And you're like, yes, exactly. that is Judaism. Right. So like there are certain things that like sometimes. Do we have a gratitude notebook? Where's the gratitude notebook? Oh, like a hundred blessings a day, right? Like well, acknowledging so. all of the, all of the so gratitude that. and the blessings. But, um, but I think the power of doing it through Judaism as opposed to through like, um, you know, contemporary psychology, which is great. And I'm happy that, that that's there as well. Um, but I think that what you just said about that, it is something um, about the indebtedness and something about God that that even deepens it. it, it both deep, I, I never know if I should use the word deepen or elevate because it seems to do both, even though those are opposites. But you know that it really, there's something about doing it through Judaism um, that it's not just about I'm doing this for my own happiness or I'm doing this because it'll, you know, cause serotonin in my brain, um, even though those are good side effects. But I'm doing this because this is my this is my job in the world. This is my I have responsibility to God. I have responsibility to the world and to the people around me and to the universe um, to to serve out my my role in the world. And part of that is acknowledgement. So, of course, our, our final thoughts here, as usual, remember uh, to subscribe and comment and review on Living Jewishly podcast with the Rabbis Rubenstein here. Please, it really helps us out a lot. We love our listeners and we really, uh, we really ask you uh, from the bottom of our heart, please, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, reactions to this, reactions to our previous podcasts, uh, continuing discussion in some ways, ideas for future podcasts. A joke you want to tell us, please email us at livingjewishlypodcast at gmail.com, or you can check us out also at Temple of Aaron. Uh, really, uh, so I really, really appreciate it. We really appreciate that. Yeah, we have gratitude for you. And thank, thank you. Let us know if you're if you're listening and you haven't told us that you listen. It, it, nothing brings us more joy and happiness than when people tell us that they're listening to our podcast. So let us know if you're enjoying. Let us know if you're listening. And, and we have a lot of gratitude for each of you. Oh, wow. And our final moment of gratitude is, of course, to Colleen Deeker and Jeffrey Baldinger for our incredible theme music. Yes, yes. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope you guys watch the parade 
or the puppy show or or football or whatever you're going to do or the World Cup. Yes. And we will leave you with this final moment of Hebrew that hodu is the Hebrew word for both Thanksgiving and gratitude. Just had to throw that in. Just had to throw that in. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. All right. Colleen and Jeffrey, take us away. Celebrate the words of Torah with Marcus and-